0: I love the youth ensemble this morning. Such talented youth in our church. So how courageous are you feeling these days? I was thinking about this week. I remember this old Seinfeld episode where George Costanza's at a party and a fire breaks out in an apartment and he knocks over a lady on a walker and a whole bunch of kids on his way trying to get out of that apartment before anybody else. He clearly failed the courage test. But of course, courage, as we all know, looks a lot differently in all kinds of situations. I've mentioned before about the stories of hearing about the regional minister of Tennessee in the 1960s who told the board of the region that if they did not vote to change their rules and racially integrate the camp and make it a camp where all the children of the Christian churches in Tennessee can attend then he would be resigning immediately. Courage. I think of a woman I knew back in Tennessee at my church. She had had a pretty hard and messy childhood herself, and she was in her mid-twenties when her father died. And she went to her dad's funeral, and at the funeral she met a half-brother of hers that she had never met before. He was about six years old. And at the funeral itself, there were whispers among the family of who was going to step in to raise him. He had a mother, but she was not in a stable place to be raising a child. And now their father had died. And she said, you'll be coming home with me. She changed the course of her entire life, mid-20s, no children yet, became a mother, and raised her brother. Courage. And today I want to talk about Rahab from the book of Joshua. She too was courageous. She was a Canaanite woman whose house was on the wall of the city. And when God had promised the people of Israel the promised land, there was one detail that made it complicated. And that was the fact that there were people already living in that area and they did not enjoy these Israelites' moving into the area, so there was lots of battles and wars, and Joshua, who at this point is leading the people, he sends some spies to go look on the city of Jericho to get a heads up for the battle, and during that time, Rahab decides to protect these men who were not her people, and I'm going to read in Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 today, it's quite a long story, but I want you to hear the whole thing. So, I invite you to follow along with me. Then Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shidom as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab Bring out the men who've come to you who entered your house, for they have come only to search out the land. But the woman took the two men and hid them. Then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you can overtake them. She had, however, brought them (laughs) up on the roof and hidden them with stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men pursued them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land, and that dread of you has fallen on us, that all of the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when he came out of Egypt. And what did you do? What did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Oak, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I have dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my family. Give me a sign of good faith that you will spare my father and mother my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life for yours. If you do not tell this business of ours, then we will deal kindly and faithfully with you when the Lord gives us the land. And then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the outer side of the city wall, and she resided within the wall itself. Rahab said to them, Go toward the hill country so that the pursuers may not come upon you. Hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers have returned, and then afterward you may go your way. So let's start with the part of the story that is not rated PG. Rahab is a prostitute. She made her living this way, and this is how she survived. But in a time and place where women had so little power and control over almost any aspect of their life, I surmise that this is probably less a situation that Rahab chose for herself. Like so many women and in the world today, she is surviving. A favorite nonprofit of mine out of Nashville called Thistle Farms, they are... Their mission is to work with women off the streets or to come out of prostitution and trafficking and addiction. And by the way, they run a fabulous cafe in Nashville called (laughs) Thistle Farms. Uh, But their founder, Episcopal priest Becca Stevens, she has this thing that she says, and she says that at Thistle Farms, they do not ask the women what they did. They ask them what happened to you. And my guess is that prostitution happened to Rahab. She is a woman caught in the midst of brokenness, shame, and sin. Her profession made her an outsider. She's even an outsider among her own people. She's living on the wall, on the outskirts of the city itself. And she is an outsider in her place and an outsider to the Israelites. And then some Israelite spies come running to her door one night and the king of Jericho has gotten word that there are spies in the area and he sends his soldiers to her house to go knocking on her door. And now the Israelites don't ask her to do anything. Take note of that. She hides them on top of her house and then she tells the soldiers a half-truth. Yes, they were here. I didn't know who they were, but they were here. (laughs) And they've gone off that away. She points them off in the wrong direction. And then she goes up to her roof and she tells the Israelite men what she's done. That she's protected them. And that she's heard already enough about their God and what their God has done. That she believes and wants to follow their God. She knows that they will prevail in battle. And in return for protecting them, she asks, that they protect her family when the battle breaks out. So here's the thing. One, she hid these soldiers risking her life. If she were caught lying to the king's men, she most most certainly would have been killed. And secondly, she decides to trust these soldiers that she really just met. She asked them to keep their word, and she doesn't know if they will actually, indeed, keep their word. But as the story goes, They do. Rahab and her family is protected, and when the battle breaks out, as the old song goes, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. Rahab had courage. That whole story happened in part because of Rahab's courage. She risked her life for them, and the story never actually tells us if Rahab was afraid, but how could she not be afraid? She's trusting these men. She, she's risking her own life in order to help them. She's lying to the king's soldiers. How could she have not been scared? And that's the thing about courage and fear. Sometimes we think they don't go together, but they do. Having fear does not mean we aren't courageous. In fact, even having faith does not take away our fear sometimes. I wish I remembered where I read it, um, but I don't. But I still remember the sentiment of this line. And that's courage is simply realizing that there is something more important than the fear. We feel the fear. We recognize it, but we don't let us stop us. Because we recognize there's something bigger than the fear. Rahab must have realized that there was something bigger than fear. She had heard about the God of Yahweh who parted the Red Seas, who led God's people to freedom, and maybe, just maybe, she wanted a God like that. A God who sets us free. To worship a God who sets us free. And I know that probably on this May Sunday morning that not a one of us are faced with a decision whether to um, hide soldiers or lie to the king's men today. That's not what we're faced with. But all of us, every single one of us, face moments in our lives when we decide if we will face them with courage. And maybe it's simply to live our own life with honesty, integrity, and truth. Maybe it's simply daring to speak out around the table when everybody else is saying the opposite. Maybe it's speaking up when your voice shakes to face that really hard mountain in front of us, that mountain that we like to pretend is not there. Maybe it's a hard conversation or a hard situation you've been trying to avoid, but the truth is, the more you try to pretend it's not there, that mountain somehow just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. To quote Ted Lasso, the wisdom of Ted Lasso, he says, taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. (laughs) To face the mountain in front of us, it takes courage. Rahab put her trust in the God of Israel. She put her trust in those soldiers hiding on her roof. But what about us? What do we need to put our trust in? To trust that God is bigger than our fears? To trust that God will make a way even when we cannot yet see or know the end of the story? As Hebrews 11 chapter 1 gives a definition of faith. And says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And I've spoken about her before, but I remember Brooke from who I knew as a seminarian, and Brooke was born with a genetic condition that impacted a lot of her internal organs, and it especially impacted her heart. And when she was in her mid-twenties, she was faced with a really horrendous choice. Essentially, the doctors told her you can have this very risky, invasive heart surgery that, if it's successful, will give you a chance at a long life. Or you can do nothing and know that probably in the next year or two, your heart will give out. And she chose to have the surgery. And the night before the surgery, she told her family, whatever happens tomorrow... Live or die, I'm in God's hands. Courage. Rahab, the woman with a past a mile long, the woman with a hundred skeletons in her closet, an outsider among outsiders, a Gentile, a part of the enemy, and yet God used her life. The Bible shows us this again and again and again and again and again, over and over and over, how God likes to use the people, the ones we would not expect. A God who takes our story of brokenness and shame and regret and can turn it into a story of God's grace and redemption. A God who will not leave us in our fears, a God who is with us as we face the mountains of our lives. So let God write the ending. Even if you cannot yet see or know the story, trust that there is something bigger than our fears at work. You know, I mentioned this quote from Hebrews chapter 11 earlier the definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And then after that, there's this long, long list of all these examples of people of great faith. People like Noah and Isaac and Moses and Abraham, all, all the big heroes from the Hebrew scriptures. And there in verse 31, Rahab is mentioned as an example of great faith. The outsider prostitute is mentioned As an example of great faith. And then if you look in in the letter of James. The fabulous practical letter of James. James chapter 2 verse 25. There she is again. An example of faith because she risked her life to help God's people. And then she's again in a third time. Matthew chapter 1. And that horrendous little section of the Gospels that you never read. thats called the begot section. The so-and-so begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so, begot so-and-so. It's the genealogy of Jesus' family tree. It's the part you just skip right over if you're ever going to read a Gospel. But there it is. She is in there. <laughs> Rahab. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. That house in the red-light district of Jericho was not the end of her story. Something bigger than the fear. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. Thanks be to God. Amen.